It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You could live a hundred years. You could live a thousand years. You could live until the sun expands and consumes the earth before eventually resting as a white dwarf for the rest of time. And you might not see a dumber basketball game than we saw last night. We discuss it with Katie Heindel on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1314 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, January the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I'm covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons, and I can tell you one thing. I've never seen a game like that last night in that very long time. Of course, you can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube, on video, each and every day. Hi to the video people. Hello. Uh, and if you want to go and support the show on video, you can go to YouTube. Just search up Locked On Raptors. It'll pop right up because we got that SEO on point. Hit the big red subscribe button and you have done a wonderful service to me and all the other fine folks who uh, grace this show with their presence, including one, Katie Heindel. It's been a tough week for Katie, down with a migraine. The migraine gods have finally forgiven her for whatever she did last week. I don't know what you did, Katie, but man, oh man, uh, they, they had you. They had your number, but you're back, you're here. It's not a whatevs Wednesday, so we lose the alliteration, but it is Thursday, and I'm very, very glad, Katie, that we have you on the show to talk about that batshit basketball game that went down last night. You were in attendance. We're going to get into our big takeaways. We're going to try and determine what the single dumbest thing about the game was in segment number two. We've got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later on. But Katie, 
Uh, well, you know, Fred Van Vliet said after the game that the air in the building was very weird. Uh, can you confirm this is true? What were just like your original first takeaways sitting there watching that whole thing unfold from the 13 to 12 first quarter to the 28 points the Raptors scored in the final three minutes? Uh, boy, oh boy, Katie, a lot to dive into from this one. What were your sort of initial takeaways? Uh, I can't confirm that the air was was weird. I didn't feel anything, <laughs> but I will say when you come out of a 72-hour migraine and you're just mm. like relieved to be up amongst the living again, um, <laughs> my barometer might have been a little off. You know, Maybe I was just like too up here and the air was like wobbling <laughs> down here. Though I think like, I hate to admit it, but I think the best summary of the game was probably Embiid. I have his tweet right here. <laughs> This Bucks Raptors game is just stupid and doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Podcast over. Thanks, Joel. We'll give you the we'll, we'll, we'll Venmo you some money for your contributions to the show. Bye, everybody. <laughs> I have to say, like I did, I did not think I was I was expecting a like a a slog, you know, yeah. a fight. Sure. I wasn't expecting such a deep, just almost like metaphysical slog. Um, a situation where it seemed like both teams were just allergic to making their shots. Like Mm -hmm. I I have also not never experienced like you've, you felt this when you're like in an arena and the mood will kind of catch. Right. And you you can feel that, but usually you feel that for one team, usually the home team. Like we've been in situations where that's like definitely been something that's felt real and palpable uh, with the Raptors, but I've never seen a mood catch to the other team, like some type of airborne virus, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> but you know, it's like a, you know, it definitely is like very weird when you're like then in the post game mm-hmm. and Doug Smith and like people who've been there for a long time are yeah. like hearkening back to games, just like to the weirdest that they can think of, like all the way back to like, Michael Ruffin, Morris Peterson yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it still doesn't quite measure up to that. No, because this just like compiled weird things one on top of another. It's not like it just like saved all the weird for the last five minutes or anything like that. Like it mm-hmm. was weird from literally the first minute of the game. And I'm having a hard time with this one, Katie, because yesterday on the show, we come in, head of the homestand, previewing the homestand that is going to make or break the Toronto Raptors season, <laughs> determine the course, not only of them, but if you believe reports about what the league is doing and waiting for the Raptors to make a call, going to determine the, the course of the entire NBA between now and the NBA trade deadline. And I feel like we're supposed to have like grand opinions on the Raptors laying one of the worst offensive duds you've ever seen against the Bucks, having this, uh, you know, sort of, very disappointing loss when you kind of sum it all up. I feel like it's supposed to be something that we use to gr- draw grand conclusions about the path forward, but I kind of think the game was too weird and dumb to do anything with, and that leaves me in a weird spot as a professional take-haver. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, all of the implications of this game, of this homestand, they still exist, they still apply, but... For one day, it was kind of nice, and I, I'm just going to try to do that today. It just It's nice to turn your brain off and just let a really dumb sporting event wash over you because I know the Raptors lost. I know it was disappointing. We'll get to some of the disappointing elements of it, 
But also, uh, sometimes th- this is like exactly what you need to, you know, brighten up a Wednesday in January, right? Like this is exactly why the regular season is fun. It's why it keeps our, enter- our, our attention. It's why it's entertaining is you get random things happening like that game that I don't think anyone's ever going to forget, regardless of the outcome. That Gary Trent Jr. shot is on highlight reels for the rest of time, and there's something to that. I know everybody is anxious and just like can't wait for the deadline to come so they can trade all the players away or whatever, but for a day I kind of just feel like let's embrace how silly that was because Katie, when the sports are dumb, the sports are good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, entertaining. I have to say like yeah, it was like extremely exciting. Mm-hmm. It is always very fun when everybody on press row becomes like a fan. Yes. And that did happen when Gary made that shot, when he forced overtime, when you come back and make like 17 points in 74 <laughs> seconds and you made 12 <laughs> points. You made 12. Yeah, you, you had like 12 shots in the first quarter <laughs> Yes, alone. So there definitely was like a palpable mood shift. And I think like that kind of weirdness is really fun. It does sort of spark and remind you why sometimes mm-hmm. like the result of a game doesn't matter sometimes it is fun to just be engaged in a game that said yeah. it was a tough game to keep yeah disappointing <laughs> um but it wasn't that difficult because every not just like the quarters but every i know you have a list but like all the weird yeah. things that happen felt like mm-hmm. little acts onto yes. themselves mm-hmm. uh, in a game like it felt very um cinematic Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it was a good movie, but it felt yeah. very cinematic. Um, maybe more yeah. of like a French avant-garde, like surrealist film. Yeah, I mean, I have a bit more of like a meathead take on that. I, I thought that this game was cool and enjoyable for the same reasons that people like The Room, the Tommy Wiseau film that everybody uh, has probably seen at this point, because it's not really a cult classic anymore. It's just a classic, baby. Uh, yeah, like bad things can be fun. Katie, was there anything like basketball wise that you feel like can be taken away from this game? I do think it's worth remarking upon as horrible as the Raptors offense was in this game. And we'll get to the sort of the way the Bucks guarded Toronto in the back part of the show. I did think uh, I was bloody impressed by the way the Raptors defended in this game and the fact that their uh, utter incompetence on the offensive end did not bleed into their incredible defensive effort, I thought was commendable. They forced 12 turnovers out of Giannis. Don't worry, we're going to talk about that in the next segment when we talk about dumb things that happened. Um, You know, obviously he still goes for a 30-point triple-double, but that's just what Giannis does. I I thought, you know, considering that defense has been the bigger struggle for the Raptors of late, as much as the offense is a problem and was very much a problem last night, they probably fell 19 spots in the standings of offense down to 34th or whatever uh, out of 30 teams. Uh, The defense was like the actual legitimate positive signs there that I think can be kind of built upon if you are the Raptors. What were your thoughts on that? Or does not not even matter because of how dumb it all was? No, the defense was good. I think, you know, you build a wall around Giannis, you force him into like a career high turnover like Mm -hmm. situation for him. Um, You hold somebody who's been scoring 40 points a game to 30 points. Mm -hmm. I have the box score right here. Um, (laughs) You know, and like, he half of those 15 of those are at the free three throw line anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel like that's telling and that is saying something. Uh, I think there were some offensive 
I don't want to say flourishes, like Ruth Sparks, <laughs> um, notably with Scotty Barnes, I think late in the game. It just, yes. It does suck that you didn't see that offensive energy, whether that's directly from him, whether that's from the plays being drawn up for him in the position mm-hmm. Nick Nurse and Co. are putting him in, whether it's a combo of mm-hmm. both potentially. Um, I'm not sure. You're seeing Gary have some shots finally fall and like having them fall in crunch time when you yep. needed them mm-hmm. and be that like clutch shooter. And, you know, frankly, for all the crap that's falling on him post game. And I'm sure today you've got Fred Mampley holding your team in the game. Yeah. Three quarters, you know, and I said this earlier, like on the radio, but he, you don't get to, Having Fred as a scapegoat is strange to me because you don't get to a point when you're even up to make it to overtime unless Mm -hmm. you had him uh, keeping you alive for like the previous three quarters. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. It's tough to like generate a spark when there's not much there and when you've got it like happening disparately from guy to guy to guy and not collectively all together, which is actually, you know, that's what you need to win a game. That's yeah. what's been lacking for so long, like throughout this. I don't know if you can't call it a slump anymore. It's just this stretch of time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the slump is here to stay. I don't know. But yeah, this might just be our reality, Katie. Who's yeah. to say? Yeah. And I think, like, you know, I'm again looking at the box score. If Fred's <laughs> the only one that is like a plus to you on the floor, I do think yeah. that also says something. Ah, uh, that's t- that might be it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that look. There's that might not- be it. <laughs> There's not a whole lot to try to pull from this one to like make salient points going forward, except for, you know, we'll talk about Fred tomorrow's episode. Joe Wolfon's going to come on the podcast. We're just going to examine the question of trading Fred or not. Um, it's an unfortunate elephant in the room as it stands because of the realities of how contracts and the NBA and team building work. But uh, to not think that Fred Van Vliet is neither good nor valuable despite his shooting troubles, despite the fact that, yes, he has the lowest field goal percentage of anyone in the league so far this season. That's not good, but it's also okay to acknowledge that he was the guy who kept them in this game for three quarters, and they are nowhere near overtime without his efforts. We'll get into his miss later on in the show as well, because I have a bit of a soapbox to jump on. But before we do that, I got to tell you about another box, which is a box of Built Bars, which is something you should go and purchase from your local Walmart, Sam's Club. Those are the places right now where they're flying off the shelves, baby. You're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try Built Bar. This time of year, I am currently weaning myself off of garbage. I can't really quite do it. I'm still eating about a chocolate bar a night of what's left over from the holidays, but I'm slowly getting back to something resembling a non-goblin diet, and Built Bars are a great way to do it because they trick me into thinking I'm being indulgent and having sweets when actually they're just good for me. They're giving me 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar in the standard bar. They've got all sorts of amazing flavors. you got churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, so many more. They've got their Built Puffs as well. They're delicious, delectable marshmallow delights, and you can go and get yourself a box of Built Bars, whichever 
whatever flavor, maybe a mixed box, maybe a single flavor that really tickles your fancy. You can go to Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars, pick up a four, bo- four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, so many more options for you. Go and check them out at Sam's Club right now. You can get a 13 bar box if you're down in the States. Of course, no Sam Club, Sam's Club up here these days, but go and get yourself whatever quantity of Built Bars from the Walmart or Sam's Club near you. Try them out. They're fantastic. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Katie, I have assembled now a list of some of the dumbest things that took place in this game. Some of the dumbest facts and stats and instances. We're going to try... To, you know, in the spirit of this game not making any sense, we're going to try to determine, try to determine what the dumbest thing about this game was. Should be a fun exercise. Basically how it'll work is I'm going to read a dumb thing. We'll determine whether it is the dumbest thing we've read so far. It'll be like a ladder of sorts, if you will. And we will determine through the process of elimination which one is the dumbest by the end of this eight to nine minute segment. Katie, are you ready? I am. All right. Uh, let's go with just a, a basic one. The fact that the Raptors started this basketball game, a professional NBA basketball game, three of 35 from the field. That, that's, I mean, it's the first thing I've read. So it's yeah, the dumbest so far. Agreed? Put it up top. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put it up top for now. All right. How about this one? This is I pulled from the advanced box score uh, from the Raptors game, the shot tracking data mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to the openness of three-point shots. The Raptors took 46 threes in this game. Katie, mm-hmm. the fact that they took, that they went 7 of 41 on open or wide open threes while going 2 of 5 on tightly contested threes, uh, is that dumber than the fact that they started 3 of 35 overall? 7 of 41 on open or wide open threes as determined by the tracking data. Like, not for, no, not for this, not right now. (laughs) Yeah, this is just kind of standard, actually. Never mind. the course. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, so yeah, you got to put that lower. Okay, so we still have the fact the Raptors started this game 3 of 35 is the dumbest thing. Let's go to the next thing. Giannis having more turnovers than any player had made field goals at the half. Is that dumber than the Raptors starting three of 35? No, because that's um, net positive still. <laughs> yeah, that's just the Raptors, Raptors doing good work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably in line with their typical field goal production anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, how about this one, Katie? The fact that the Raptors made a substitution at 6-12 and it was still 90 seconds before they made a single basket in this game. 
I mean, they didn't like this game didn't get to a hundred points until like two yeah. minutes left in overtime. Yeah. So no. Um, so you like, think the fact that they went three of thirty-five to start the game is dumber than the fact that they needed to make a substitution just to score a single basket? I do because okay. Do you have the fact that that first <laughs> single basket was a free throw? Yes. No. 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 I, I mean, I meant field goal. Sorry, I should have said. Okay. I should have specified field goal okay. make. Uh, man. No, because the first basket was a free throw, and I've never, mm. it was like playoff level elation when <laughs> was Pascal, like Pascal made that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, that's not dumber to me. Okay. Uh, let's just go basically. The, the score after 12 minutes of NBA basketball, Katie, in a league in which the Oklahoma City Thunder scored 150 points without mm -hmm. Shea Gildas Alexander against probably the best defensive team there is, all told, in the Boston Celtics, a, a league where offense is completely spiraling out of control, the score after 12 minutes was 13 to 12. Is that the dumbest thing? No, because it just shows you the Raptors uh, and the Bucks' collective commitment to you know to to normalizing this offensive. The offensive is run, like offense is running rampant in the NBA. It mm -hmm. has to be reined in. We want reasonable, trotting, sludgy, workaholic basketball. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that the organized nature of this protest against offense uh, makes it so it's not that dumb yeah to the actually NBA's yeah problem of scoring i like that, that this is now a, a like a leftist thing uh <laughs> yeah. too much scoring 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 distribution needs to be uh you know like i don't know we don't need to occupy wall street over scoring i i get what you're saying let's go now to uh the next fact the raptors scored more points than we saw in the entire first quarter combined in this game in the final three minutes and 50 seconds of regulation. Is that dumber than starting three of 35? Yeah, that's the We have a winner! It's Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, uh, truly surreal. Uh, more than a quarter <laughs> of their points coming in one twelfth of the basketball game. Cool. Uh, the next thing I have here on the list of dumb events is an event. Uh, it's Grayson Allen bag-tapping Gary Trent Jr. on a three-point attempt in the final God. minute up uh, three possessions this to make it a two-possession game. could not keep his hands to himself. Like for, like for Fred, for Gary, you know, to the point where Fred is so frustrated at one point. Like he's forcing... He's forcing a review. Mm -hmm. He just stopped playing and just started going like this. Mm -hmm. Nobody really wanted to call mm -hmm. a timeout or a review, but they did. Sakakis like definitely did the work last night. <laughs> um, I don't know what is up. Like I thought they were gonna fight. Honestly, <laughs> uh, yeah, Grayson Allen's the worst. I think this. But is, no, uh, I can't like, say recognized. like I can't say that's weird because again, this is a weirdly par for the course for Grayson. Yeah, that's an extremely Grayson Allen thing to do. Actually, um, right. breaking legs and tapping sacks—that is Grayson Allen's whole thing. Uh, also, his thing. This might be a sneaky thing for dumbest thing. I think just like dumbest possible conclusion. Uh, Grayson Allen hit the game winning oh, yeah. three in this game. Is that yeah. dumber than them scoring 28 minutes in the final 350? I mean, it makes me angrier. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like par for the course of this game because mm -hmm. he, he hit that shot. And I think he also hit the shot just before to inch them up, like, you know, into mm -hmm. the lead and yes. make this more of like an unattainable comeback. Mm -hmm. So. 
It's not, it's still not as dumb as, as 17 <laughs> points in, in 34 seconds or whatever, but um, yeah, it's up there. crazy. Uh, okay. Next up, Scotty Barnes didn't score a single basket until the 645 mark of this game and then scored nine baskets over the next 1145, most of them over the presumptive defensive player of the year, Brooke Lopez, with relative ease. This was pretty dumb, Katie. Is it dumber than them scoring 28 points in 350? No, because again, <laughs> this seems par for the course for Scotty through the last few contests, which is a mystery to me. As mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, I am very, I am unsure if this is just like Scotty becoming loose and free the longer he plays in a game mm-hmm. and getting kind of like offensively dialed in at the worst possible last moment, mm-hmm. or if it's like the coaching staff being like, all right, just go out there and do that. I feel like I don't know where the truth is. Maybe somewhere in the middle because Nick yeah. Nurse keeps saying he needs Scotty Barnes to play with offensive at- intensity all game. Mm-hmm. Yet, it seems he's being held back a little. So um, this should be dumb. So many of these should be the dumbest and only. Yeah, but actually, I think we're maybe we're just summing up season. the Toronto Raptors yeah. season right yeah. now. Uh, yeah. And maybe this is more sobering than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly, you have the Raptors uh, having a hundred and sixteen to eighty-eight edge in field goal attempts and still losing. I know the Raptors' whole thing is getting more field goal attempts up than the other team, but getting 28 more field goal attempts and losing by three seems pretty dumb. No, Katie? Is this dumber than them scoring 28 and 350? No. This is the second (laughs) dumbest thing, though. It's pretty dumb. Uh, And lastly, lastly, I have here uh, the Milwaukee Bucks had a 73-47 to edge in rebounding in this game, obviously tied to the disparity in shot attempts, but 73 rebounds, Katie. That's a lot of freaking rebounds. Uh, Like, I don't know if I've seen a 7 in front of rebounds. It's almost as impressive as the 7 in front of Donovan Mitchell's scoreline from a couple nights ago. Was that dumber than the 28 points in 3 minutes and 50 seconds? No, because I watched Brooke Lopez and Giannis all night um, tearing, tearing the ball away, you know, on both ends of the floor. So I can't say it's too weird. I have like a couple. These are maybe oh, more like um, yeah, please do. like weird okay. things. I just think it's very funny because this kept flash. I have this on my box score, but this also just kept flashing at the bottom of the box score on the TVs. Um, mm-hmm. Bucks. Buck, biggest lead, Bucks 21, Raptors 1. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, and that last night, there was a choice. I hope this was a choice made to um, merge with the energy of the evening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. though this may have been a choice already said. I don't know how long it takes to inflate this guy, but that the gigantic, my favorite Raptor, the gigantic inflatable was out juddering around last night, looking unhinged, out of control as always, and very much matched the fevered and strange energy um, of the night. Yeah. Um, I hope that was a late game ops decision where they were like, we got to ride this. Yeah. We got to match the, we got to keep the moment with our game ops. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Uh, If you out there have something that you thought was dumber than any of the things we just listed off over the course of 12 minutes of podcast, uh, please drop it in the comments, and uh, that would be very much appreciated. I have one more dumber thing, too. Oh, yes, please. prolonged sequences of offensive possessions where I've never seen so much ball movement, only because nobody wanted to shoot, because I don't think anybody wanted to miss anymore. Yes. Uh, actually, sort of uh, last late contender for dumbest thing. Both of these teams, before the halfway point of the second quarter, had 0 of 13 spells from the field. Is that dumber than them scoring 28 points in 3 minutes and 50 seconds? Close second. Yeah, it's dumb. What a dumb game. I loved it. Coming back (laughs) on the other side, Katie, we're going to get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. Which is going to be your first uh, rodeo around with this because uh, you've we, we usually record on Wednesday mornings and they never play on Tuesdays and so uh, we're very excited to indoctrinate you into the good the bad and the hmm we'll get to that in just one second before we do that however I should tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs who are the place to go if you want to hire qualified candidates more efficiently. They match open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to achieve your goals. And look, it's it's a very difficult thing. It's an important thing, hiring people who are going to do the job you want done correctly and have the proper qualifications. And especially if you're running a small business, for example, like these are very important decisions. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly hire and attract the qualified candidates to your opening jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company. Uh, And there are 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them fast and for free LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Katie, let's get into the good, the bad, and the hmm, (laughs) your maiden voyage here in this segment, which we use to encapsulate our feelings about every Toronto Raptors game. Let's start with the good, shall we? Katie, what was your good from this game? I know it's going to be hard, but what was your good? Uh, I think I probably mentioned most of them already. The Mm -hmm. the defensive wall. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they the def- defended their asses off in this game. They it was great to see. Very well, um, mm-hmm. they did. Because, again, as you mentioned earlier, that's kind of been a spotty thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that if the defensive wall got mentioned by a Milwaukee media member yep. uh, pregame, asked mm-hmm. to bud. So, and, and she gave it credit that I think this is where the defensive wall yep. got its origins. Which I might want to quibble with just because of Stan Van's um, 
you know, a great man named Stan Van Gundy's. <laughs> you could Google the clip. Form yes. a effing, effing wall. wall. Yes, we can't do the swears Just form anymore, Katie. Effing wall. Yeah, that to me is the origin of the <laughs> the wall. But whatever. Um, I know Everything draws it. inspiration from something. It's a, it's all right. From Stan Van Gundy, it's yeah. true. Uh, (laughs) all roads, Sean, what else? Probably. Yeah. Forcing. There was some palpable frustration. I -hmm. think watching Giannis, there was one point when Fred, (laughs) we didn't talk about this at our dumbest things Mm. when, when it looked like Bobby Portis and I stand by this, even though the reps have have overturned this since Bobby Mm. Portis walked out of bounds, holding the ball, which is what led to possession that led to overtime. It was a very Apparently, dumb play. Pascal pushed him. I don't know. But Fred did definitely push at one point Giannis, who mm. went flying across the floor. <laughs> that, to me, felt like some pent-up frustration coming out. Grace and Allen shaped frustration <laughs> uh, being blasted across the floor. There was a lot. Like, there were good. There were good. They wouldn't last very long. But there were mm. good sparks of the kind of, like, doggedness and tenaciousness annoyance mm-hmm. uh, of the Raptors. Yeah, I, I mean, this was like, as far as fake comebacks go, it was the best fake comeback I think we've ever seen, because I don't actually think they've completed a fake comeback and made it a win. Well, I they, guess maybe those, if you complete it, it's not fake done. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this is now the standard like. the standard by which all fake comebacks will be measured is this game, uh, for sure. Let's go. My good, Katie. Honestly, uh, that Gary Trent Jr. game game tying shot was exhilarating. Yeah. I had the best time watching it. Uh, my wife did not because I just like flopped around the room like a fish for a minute because uh, I just I didn't really know what to do with myself considering the quick turnaround that took place in this game, where I just like did not expect them to even sniff tying it once. That was amazing. And look, if you're talking bigger picture stuff, five straight 20-point games now for Gary Trent Jr. I know he's been the sort of obvious L. He's going to get dealt to the deadline guy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe reconsider that? I We'll examine that question before the deadline, too. But if you're thinking about how to build a team around Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Scotty Barnes, which whatever happens before the deadline, I would presume those three guys are still going to be around and will still be the core around which this thing is built going forward. Uh, Having a guy who is that shot ready, that unconscious, that uh, accurate, maybe feels like a pretty good outlet to have alongside those guys. And all of the numbers that suggest the Raptors are good at offense when Gary Trent Jr. is on the floor over the last two years, maybe those are worth looking at and considering before you ship off one of the only guys on the team who does the skill that the team needs the most. Uh, Just a thought. Let's go to the bad, Katie. What was your bad from this game? One sort of, uh, I mean, other than uh, (laughs) gestures broadly, once again. That's that's been the the common theme of this segment. But uh, yeah, what, what was your individual bad thing? I think the bad to me was that this signaled, you know, like you and I have talked about this before. Uh, about the team identity and what it actually is this season and it's still not really clear to me however it clarified in a worse way uh, with last night's game in that the team looked the most alive Hmm. when they were the most desperate yeah and I just don't think that's a position as an NBA team any franchise really you want to be in it means that like you can only compete and like find the spark 
or the energy or like even honestly the, the cohesiveness because there's some kind of disconnect happening right now too mm-hmm. right now i mean like broadly the last like little while uh, that you can only find that under immense amounts mm-hmm. of pressure you you can't exist like that right like yeah. it's not this is not like a formula for just like existing in the long term so that's a bit worrying to me and that seemed like the most on display yeah. not to be a total downer no i i, I think you make a good point you coming into this game the the homestand it was all right it's go time like this is the time to mm-hmm. actually prove that the season is worth salvaging and you know not changing course too much and i mean i will say the, that like yeah. the homestand still provides that's you know yeah, that, but, that charlotte like back to back you got to win both of those there are there are like must win games within this homestand not just because they're quote like easy wins 100 percent, um, but because you need to we're running you're running out of time to rack yeah, up wins yeah exactly. I, like i and like that's what i was about to go is it you know there's still room for this homestand to end up being a success i said four and two was kind of the minimum bar that i was looking for five and one would be fantastic and that's still i suppose in theory on the table i'm not sure how much confidence last night inspires that they're going to go and run the table for the rest of their time at home but i'm still going to withhold sort of big picture grand judgments about you know the deadline you know philosophy and all that until this homestand is up you know that was what i said before i'm not going to change from that but uh not exactly inspiring confidence my bad katie is just the the way i felt for fred van vliet after that miss in overtime he looked despondent and understandably so and it was sort of more fueled by just like and look, I really, really have to stop judging my sort of pulse for the fan base based on like what the Twitter people are saying. It's a bad thing that I do. I'm broken, Katie. It's a website that melts your brain, but it's pretty widespread. The just like very angsty, nasty feelings towards Fred Van Vliet. And mm-hmm. I don't know how as like a human being, as someone who has watched this team with Fred Van Vliet for the last seven seasons, who has watched Fred Van Vliet win a title for you while bleeding from the eyeballs, who has watched him go from undrafted free agent to all-star, who has watched this dude be one of the sort of lifebloods of the team over the course of the last seven years. If you can't find any room for empathy for like the human struggle of what he's going through right now and the heaviness of everything that seems to happen with everything he does on the floor, I just, what are you doing this for? Like, is is there no attachment to the player? Is the fact that the player is making your team play less well, like the grounds to just like forget everything he's done good in the lead up to this and just like, oh, cast him off. Team can't win with him anymore, so get rid of him. Like, it's just, there's very, very real arguments on the table. I think I'd probably side on the side that you may have to just move on from Fred Van Vliet at the deadline for all the different reasons that we've talked about over the last little while here, but like to not have at least some empathy for the dude after that finish and to instantly jump to screw this guy, he cost them the game, which he didn't by the way, cause he kept them in it for three quarters as we've talked about just bums me out, man. I, I, like there's gotta be room for uh like appreciating the human side of basketball and i just don't know if raptors fans are doing that very well right now katie it's a it's a real real downer to me yeah i'm i'm with you i think um i also think that 
Fred is somebody who's shown only accountability. hundred uh, percent in his career thus far. So it's weird. It is weird to see because he was asked about the game. He was when like I, I saw some flack about the comment that he made of like the air feeling weird or just being a weird as like an excuse, but like that he was asked by yeah, Doug, he's just how answering weird did a that game feel? So yeah. in his answer, he's going to be like, yeah, it felt weird. I'm yeah. sure he had some other choice words he may have used first, not being recorded. Mm-hmm. But um, I, so, but all to say like the accountability has always been there. He wears it like very mm-hmm. plainly, like, as you said, um, he was wearing it like with the buzzer when he got off the floor, he was wearing it in his post game interview. Um, I also went back cause I was like, is he, is this true? When he said, you know, I don't look at the game to game numbers. I like to look mm-hmm. at my, um, totals and like where I'm tracking to. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm on par with like my all-star season, which was last season. Uh, and he is like, he is in all, like in all his numbers, he's like, even in, within this slump, he's like set to hit that. Is that yeah. because he's like outside of the field incredible, percentage, but yes. Yeah. Is that because he's talking <laughs> like an incredible amount of minutes and that's why he's here already? I don't know. Maybe. And like, yeah. to me again, like this is like indicative of a larger, more problematic full for the team mm-hmm. than it being a reason to scapegoat Fred because he just doesn't necessarily like visually fit. He's a misfit also because like the team is not organized offensively. Usually that would fall on him. You saw mm-hmm. him you saw him try and hold it together as best as he could. You mm-hmm. can only really do that up to a point. These aren't excuses. Like, yeah, there was probably a better way to play out that final possession. Sure. But I also can think in a in a game in these last few games where you haven't necessarily relied upon teammates to make the right move, mm-hmm. uh, why you might feel in the moment, like, I will just be a bit of a, def- like, I will be, I will do the ISO, like, mm-hmm. defensive play here. Yeah. And also, also like, who yeah. is, to me, to me, like, uh, whether it's Grayson Allen, which I, is infuriating, believe me, I know, <laughs> or it's, like, Damian Lillard, so or, like, someone, or Steph, like, somebody who is just, like, known to make those clutch shots, like, when mm-hmm. it counts. Yeah. Sometimes there is no accounting for like yeah. there could not have been like a defensive strategy that would have waylaid that shot. Sometimes yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen at the end of a game. Yeah, like sh- should Fred have dug down on paper to go and add to the mix of dudes trying to stop Giannis? Maybe not, but also I totally understand the instinct of oh my god, Giannis is driving towards the game. basket. Yeah. Exactly. Like it, it's you know, I get the instinct of wanting to go and try to stop the freight train man from dunking on you to win a game late. And yeah, it, it's unfortunate that Fred was the guy who I guess was responsible on paper schematically for the Allen three. But again, it's possible to have empathy for the dude, also recognize the big picture questions his performances are, mm-hmm. you know, creating within the team, while also, like, there's just, there's got to be a way to not be so ghoulish about this all the time. And, um, like, the straw, and this isn't like, I, this is like straw man argument going around too, like, that I see all over the place. And maybe, again, I'm taking too much of my stuff from various online places, but, like, it's so widespread, it feels like it's maybe just the pulse of the fan base. But, the idea that like 
the media is protecting Fred or something by like offering context and nuance to the this talk so about him. This is stupid. This, this level, and I will say, like, sorry if this is too insular for for mm. people who are not interested in this, but this yeah. uh, hold. Why aren't you holding? Whether it's Nick Nurse, Bobby yeah. Webster, Masai Ujiri, to like account. Yeah. Like, why aren't you holding them accountable as a as a media quote media member? Yeah, I'm there. How how do you want yeah us to do that? Like, how There's do you like, imagine yeah. that works? And like, honestly, same with like with players. Like, you are as you said, you are trying your best to add context. Everyone has their own kind of level of context. Yeah, I'm totally I try and be as broad picture mm-hmm. about things. I am I am loath to kind of like react in the moment to my detriment sometimes. And I understand like maybe that looks like, yeah, you're defending somebody. Mm-hmm. But I you can't like all of this is so contingent, especially with this team now on what's come before and like what hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And like there's responsibility there on higher ups. Um, but like forgive me for in this moment trying to look at the bigger picture and yeah. say like, eh, I don't really think it just like comes down to, to one thing or another. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, but at the, the holding these people to, to account is something I'm very curious. Just like, what do you yeah. want? What does that like, mean? What does that mean to you? <laughs> also it's uh it's sports. Like yeah. how do you hold, like, look, we've held the team to account to for stuff plenty in the past to account. There you I go. Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, are, are we like, like a basketball team? I, I don't know. <laughs> like we held the team to account for the entirety of the half season. Terrence Davis played on the team that he shouldn't have played. Like mm-hmm. there are things worth holding There's the team other, to account over. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the, the basketball shots, no, it not going in. Like, I, I don't know. That feels a little extreme to me. Uh, and they're just, there feels like there has to be less of a black and white way to look at things, but Hey, maybe, that's just, you know, maybe we're the crazy people, Katie. Maybe we're the insane people trying to find, uh, you know, an in-between ground talking about the basketball team. Uh, I was going to say we should get to the hmm right now, but uh, the whole game was a huh? And so I feel like maybe that covers it. We've gone long. We're going to wrap it up there. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. I, I would have wanted no one else to review this game with me. Uh, by the way, next week on the podcast, your next appearance, we're going to have a very fun, special, cool guest, which I'm not going to spoil just yet because uh, we haven't figured out an exact recording time. And I don't want to Doug Christie myself like that time I planned to have Doug Christie on the show. He had to cancel at last minute after I teased it all week and he didn't come on until a year later. We're not going to do that, but we'll spoil the guest once we have it all in, in ironclad stone. That, that's not a thing. Uh, Katie, anything you would like to promote before we get out of here? I went on a Fred Van Vliet soapbox, much like you, a uh, defensive platform earlier this morning on Fan 590. I believe they have a recording of that so conveniently ready. <laughs> if you want to go back and re-listen to it, um, you can do that. You can also go to Basketball Feelings, uh, where, I know it's 2023, let's definitely look ahead. But if you feel like looking back one last time, I mm-hmm. did a uh, the traditional Basketball Feelings feeling of the year where I asked and this time 10 people in and around basketball who I really admire and respect to give their take on the year that was and either like a play, a, you know, an encore moment, an off-court moment, but like what was the feeling that stuck out to them? 
That's we love we love the feelings of the year here. We love Katie. We love basketball feelings. We love Dime when Katie's writing for them, and when I mean all the, all the other people too. They it's a great staff over there. I do not mean <laughs> to dismiss the rest of the wonderful Dime staff. I'll be hearing uh, from Bill. <laughs> Yeah, Bill, Bill, Bill can uh, can take it. Uh, we'll wrap it there. Thank you so much. We'll be back again tomorrow with Joe Wolfond as we examine the question to trade or not to trade one Fred Van Vliet. We'll dig into all the different tendrils of that. As it turns out, quite complicated conversation. Uh, and we'll wrap it there. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.